0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man... And he, as, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised, they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them." By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death.
1: Today, we continue with another message on how the local church is called to be a blessing to the nations. Before we dive in this morning, though, I want to say just a few words about gratitude and grace. I came across a quote this week that I'd like to share. This is from uh, Onri Nowen. He says, Everything that is, is freely given by the God of love. All is grace. Light and water, shelter and food, work and free time, children, parents and grandparents, birth and death, it's all given to us. Why? So that we can say thank you. Thanks to God. Thanks to each other. Thanks to all and everyone. I think it would be good for all of us uh, to cultivate and to remember that, uh, to cultivate gratitude and, and remember that even in the midst of a really difficult world, that there There's so much we have to be thankful for that comes from the hand of the God of love. Our existence together as a church is something I am personally thankful for. I'm thankful that we can gather together and worship, that we can sing, that we can pray, that we can teach our children. Those are blessings that I'm thankful for. At our nine o'clock service, we had a a young child, a a fourth grader, Maxwell, get up and read the scriptures. Uh, We get to hear that the kids love Pastor Steve's talks downstairs week in, week out. We have uh, members of our church like Eloise and Gail lead us in prayer. And to, to see the work of the musicians and what they do each week to lead us. Um, to have high school students in the band. I, I'm really thankful for all of that. To have folks here before and after services setting up and tearing down. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have groups during the week where we can pray and study together. I'm thankful that we have a place each Thursday evening for young people to come together and learn about Jesus. Um, and to be a part of a really good community. And I'm thankful for that. Last week, I mentioned some ways we're trying to be a blessing to the nations. Uh, this past week, Darren and Jenna got to speak uh, with a, a woman halfway across the globe about Jesus because of of how she got connected to, to BT. And I'm thankful that we, that we made something that's helping people all over the world grow closer to, to Jesus. Um, we had maybe 18 to 20 people at our first dinner church with eight to 10 of them being people that would never or have not shown up to church in a long time or or just wouldn't show up to a Sunday morning service. And uh, I'm just so thankful for that. I'm thankful that we had people taking flyers and handing them out all through Red Bank. Um, We had a gentleman who came last week who has a a bunch of friends who he took flyers to to invite them to the next meeting um, so that they could enjoy a good meal and and see um, the love of a Christ-centered community. I know that some of you are walking alongside people in really difficult places, and that you're being a blessing to others in need. And I am so thankful for that. This world is a hurting, difficult place. Uh, but by the grace of God, we can be a blessing and bring some healing to others. And that we can be a blessing ultimately to the nations. So I'm so, so thankful for that. I'm thankful that we matter to God. I hope you are too. I'm thankful that he invites people like us to be part of his mission in the world. And that's what we're talking about and continuing to talk about today. So I'm thankful that God wants to include each of us. He blesses us with his love, but he equips us all to go and be a blessing. So let's talk about what it looks like to be a blessing again this week. Um, This week, most of us have probably heard in the news the story of 17 missionaries being kidnapped for ransom in Haiti. Uh, Unfortunately, kidnappings like this are on the rise in that region. Uh, Haiti's been uh, just had a, a a really rough history Uh, With many other nations to blame in its development and destruction, Um, Haiti rose up against slavery and colonialism, uh, uh, but then they had a a real tough time of economic exploitation uh, from other nations. And obviously in recent times, they've had corrupt governments and cataclysmic earthquakes and and all of that, right? Um, We have so many brothers and sisters in Christ living in Haiti and seeking to be the light of Christ there. Uh, Many American Baptist churches in New Jersey are, are Haitian churches. Our friends at Aslan Youth Ministries run a ministry there. Um, Gus and others and members of our churches have been down there quite frequently. Um, it, it's sad to think and know that what happened in Haiti is nothing new. It's an example of a hurting, raging world. Why do the ra- nations rage? Is what we've been coming back to, this, this line from Psalm 1 and 2. The nations plot and they, they fight against God. Uh, the biblical authors believe that God looks at situations like this and all the big raging of the nations, the wars, the ethnic conflicts, This is just one story that happened this week. There's kidnappings and killings and violence and ethnic fighting in in every country, including ours. Uh, The biblical authors look at this and they say, this is the way of the nations. They're they're fighting against the way of God. The Bible uh, absolutely has relevant things to say and to teach on this issue. I'm always shocked, especially in reading the Old Testament, uh, how many stories and circumstances that come up in the scriptures that are are similar and the the same things we're we're wrestling with and dealing with today. Uh, This week as I was preparing for a talk for the youth group and as I was preparing for the dinner church talk tonight, I was looking at a story in 2 Kings about an Aramean man named Naaman. Naaman's an army general who was an enemy of Israel. And the story about him begins very nonchalantly, just a few lines. It says, His wife had a servant girl from Israel who was taken captive during one of their raids of Israel. They kidnapped her, and now she's a part of their their community. Uh, They were this, this enemy nation bordering Israel, and they would have some random raids. They would kill some people. They would steal some resources. They'd capture some of the women and the children to use in their country. As I was looking at that story, I said, ah, that's one of the terrible things that happens in this world today. It happened back then. And and then I look in the newspaper and and uh, the story that happened in Haiti today. So we've been asking for a few weeks, how does God respond to the rage of the nations? How does uh, God, how does the God we meet in the scriptures, Yahweh, the God of Israel, Jesus Christ, his son, how does God respond to the nations raging against him? And then how are the people of God to respond to all of this? What do we do? What does a church like ours do in the midst of this world? So I'm going to give a super, as best as I can, quick summary of the last few weeks and then give us a a few more things we are called to do in the middle of the nation's raging and how we're called to be a blessing. So uh, just by way of review, the nations make themselves the enemy of God, both in the past, since the beginning, and today still. God does not give up on his promise and commitment to bless the nation's God seeks to bless all the nations of the world, even when they make themselves his enemy. God is the God who is going to be faithful to keep his promises. I came across a quote this week from Lewis uh, Swedes about keeping promises. And he says, if you have a ship, you will not desert. If you have people, you will not forsake. If you have causes, you will not abandon. Then you are like God. I like about this quote is it reminds me that God keeps his promises and does not abandon does not forsake even his enemies so this God he chooses a man named Abraham he blesses Abraham and blesses a nation that comes from him he calls this nation to be a blessing to all the other nations unfortunately the nation of Israel fails to keep their promises to God they become like all the other nations and it's an absolute mess but God keeps his promises and he's going to bless the nations. Ultimately, from Abraham's line, from Abraham's seed, and from the nation of Israel comes Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah and Savior and Lord, who saves, heals, and reconciles, and proves God's love and commitment to bless the nations. Paul, an early church leader, put this all together in his letter to the Romans. It says this in Romans 5, 6. While we were still weak, and that's all of us, Jew and Gentile, which he just talked about, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He says, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. And the way this letter has unfolded, he's just said, hey, Gentiles, hey, nations, you made yourself God's enemies. Then he said, hey, hey, Jews, hey, people of Israel, God chose you and blessed you, and you did a lot of the Gentile stuff instead, and you made yourself his enemy. But God's still going to bless. This is the enormous grace of God. God keeps his promises through Jesus. Jesus dies for the sins of the nations, for our sins, and is now reconciling folks from every tribe and tongue. And the nations can be blessed. And then at the end of the scriptures, a vision of a new heaven, a new earth, at the end of the book of Revelation, all the nations will be blessed. This is the, the kingdom of God coming one day. All the nations will bring their glory to God and glorify him. And this is the hope we live with as followers of Jesus. We live for this coming day where every tear is wiped dry. And we wait for this coming day when the nations will be a blessing instead of a curse when we become givers of the blessings of God back to him, instead of living uh, in this war of kidnapping and harm that we we often live in today. So we, the church, are in this in-between space. We're called to be a blessing to the nations in the midst of this still raging, hurting world. There's this reconciliation, this salvation made possible by Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And now his people who have received that are ambassadors called to a ministry of, of calling other people to be reconciled to God. And then l- last week I said, we're, uh, in order to be a blessing, we must understand first that we're part of this family and nation of Jesus. We're not part of the nations. We're not living for the ways of the nations anymore. We are this new nation in Christ. We're his family, his children. We saw that in the passages we looked at last week. We're Abraham's children. We're children of God, blessed by God, given the inheritance and sent out to be a blessing. Our identity is in Jesus. It's not in our ethnicity or our gender or our social status, but it's in Christ. We're children of God, part of the family, part of His kingdom. And that is what we have to have established in us. And from that, we are sent to be a blessing. And we finished last week by saying that we are a leaving and going people. We're, we're sent, right? Uh, we have to leave old patterns, old concerns, old ways of the nations behind like Abraham had to, and then we have to go and sent to follow Jesus to be a blessing. That's where we pick up things today, because there's some other marks on how we might be a blessing. Other things that we do as we, as we leave old ways and as we go in a new way, here are some other things we have to uh, be about to bless the nations, and just, just a few more things today. We're a leaving and going people. We're also a believing and obeying people. The people of Jesus who bless the nations are a people who believe and obey. A people who believe and obey God, a people who believe and obey our Lord and Savior Jesus. We have to believe and we have to obey. And these are two sides of the same coin. Uh, There's been a lot of wrangling in church history and in the scriptures uh, on this, but they are two sides of the same coin. And we're going to look at that because um, belief without obedience will lead us to not being a real blessing. So we need to take a few minutes today to see how critical it is for the followers of God, for the church community to be a community that says, yes, we believe, and yes, we obey, and how belief and obedience are tied together. To do that, we have to go back to the Abraham story. So Abraham believed God, and that meant he obeyed God. And it's, it's a real long journey for Abraham. He leaves his father's house to follow Uh, the Lord. And it's a long time before he actually has a child that God promises. Doesn't think it's going to happen. He's old and childless. He gets older. Sarah gets older. They're 90 and 100 years old. And then finally, God makes good on his promise. And they have a son, Isaac. But then God calls Abraham to do something that just doesn't seem to fit the character of God at all. And it, it, if I'm honest, it just seems really cruel. Uh, If God is father and he told me to as a father to do what he tells Abraham to do, uh, I would just think he was being cruel and I would question his character as a father. Um, that's kind of what happens in Genesis 22. So let me, let me tell you what happens in Genesis 22 and we'll see a little bit about how belief and obedience are so important. So God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain that I shall show you on the mountains. I'll show you. Okay. Wait, what child sacrifice, but you're the God who doesn't do that. The other gods do that. And the whole plan was to give me a son and it took a long time. And now we have a son and, and you know, why, why would you do this? So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering He set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young man, he said, you stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on his son, Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, he said, father. And Abraham said, here I am, my son. Said the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Verse nine, when they came to the place where God had shown him, For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught it in a thicket by its horn. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide as it said to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. So another Another story of God coming through and providing. This is a a big story. This story is a, a big deal. God does provide a substitute for Isaac. God is faithful to Abraham. But now listen to the end of the story. By myself, I have sworn, Oracle of Yahweh, it is because of the fact that you have done this thing. And have not kept your son, your only son, that I will surely bless you. And I will most surely multiply your offspring like the stars of the heavens and like the sand on the seashore. And your offspring will possess the gate of your enemies. And in your offspring, it's always about the nations. Here we go. In your offspring, all the nations of the world will find blessing on account of the fact that you obeyed me. Abraham's belief and obedience lead to the blessing of the nations. It's really interesting. He doesn't say, you proved that you believed, and therefore I'll save you. Or, or I'll give you another sacrifice for your son. No, he says, I will bless you to be a blessing to the nations. Through your obedience, the nations are blessed. Jesus has a similar moment on the night before the cross when he surrenders to the will of God and and chooses to go to the cross, to go through crucifixion. And we see that it's through Christ's obedience that the nations receive the blessing of salvation and healing and reconciliation. And the community that believes and obeys finds that it too will be a blessing to the nations. When we talk about uh, belief and, and uh, this word works is often used, we all get bent out of shape, right? We can't work, it's faith, right? Paul seems to be all about faith and against any works, right? Then we read in James this thing about works, and Paul wrote a lot, and James's book is all the way in the back, so sometimes we just say we don't understand what James is talking about. Um, but also when we read the Gospels, Jesus seems to be really, really into works. He'll say things like, your faith saved you. Which is usually after someone does some work, right? Um, or he'll he'll say a lot of things about you know damnation or salvation based on on actual deeds, right? But belief, genuine belief, and obedience uh, to live from that belief are two sides of the same coin. Um, and when we do that, when we believe and our belief leads to obedience, the the, the nations are blessed. We don't have a. a, a Time to take a deep, deep dive into this. So I'm going to share a few quotes from, from Christopher Wright, who explains this really well. So I'm going to be quoting a, a bit here um, to try to reconcile this back and forth. Um, so Paul focuses on the belief that led Abraham to believe in the promises of God, however impossible they seemed. And that that was thereby counted as righteousness to him. We see that in Romans and Galatians. Like Abraham believed, and, and so God said, hey, you're, you're righteous, right? where James focuses on this faith that leads Abraham to obey the command of God, which demonstrates in practice the genuineness of his faith. So James will say something like, Abraham's justified by works when he offers up Isaac. Uh, This word works is what freaks people out, right? You can't work for your salvation from God. Jesus saves and we're helpless sinners. We can't work our way to God. Um, But what James is getting at, I think here, is that Abraham is obedient. Um, He shows his faith He actually does work that says, hey, God, I actually trust you over myself. And it's a big work, an act of obedience, or it's an act of faith. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews captures both dimensions of this in in Hebrews 11. It repeatedly emphasizes Abraham's faith, his faith, by faith, by faith. But then he explains that he proved his faith through his obedience. Uh, By faith, he, he took this initial departure from his homeland, by faith, he offered up Isaac. So by, by faith, he did these obedient actions. And we, we can include Jesus in this too. The, the Sermon on the Mount, it ends with this illustration of the person who builds his house. That's, that's a, a work, right? Whether you build your house on sand or rock, he's saying, you should believe Believe the words I just said, and you'll show that you believe the words I just said by whether you build your life on my teachings. And when you build your life on my teachings, you'll actually be salt and light in the world. You'll be a blessing to the nations. Or in Matthew 25, he tells this parable of the nations being divided, uh, some entering into their rest, some entering this, this horrible place of the weeping and gnashing of teeth and destruction. And he divides them up based on what they do for the least of these, for the hungry, for the naked, for those in prison. Uh, it's not salvation by work. It's, it's faith that says, I'll believe in Jesus So much that I'll actually obey him by serving the hurting and the outcast and the least of these that Jesus identifies himself with. There's a classic Methodist hymn that maybe some of us have have grown up singing or sing in different churches and things like that. It's called Trust and Obey, and they go together, right? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Now, when we live as a community of faith and are obedient, it's then that, when those come together, that we bless the nations. God does this with Abraham. Christ trusts his father completely and and is obedient to him, which leads him to the cross so that he can be a blessing. And the early churches put their faith in Jesus Christ and they obey his command to go to those around them and be a blessing. So I want to share two simple ways that we live as blessings. And these are clear mandates from Christ. So, okay, we're rooted in Christ's love. We leave the old behind. We're following him. We're trusting him. We're obeying him. Now, Here are two things that obedient followers of Jesus who wanna be a blessing will will be doing regularly. If we trust and obey him, if we're rooted in his love, then these are two things, uh, two practices that that mark how we bless the nations. And there's there's other ways, but these are the two big broad ways that I, I wanna make sure we get and have in our heads. We trust and obey Jesus and we live as a blessing by proclaiming the good news to the nations in our words and in our deeds in our words and in our deeds. First, our our words. Romans 10 says this, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For one believes with their heart and so is justified. And one confesses with their mouth and so is saved. We have in this passage, right, this uh, classic um, statement of faith, right? If you believe and confess him, you'll be saved. And when you do that, right? Amen, right? This is all about belief and there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. But look at what he says next. He says, the scriptures say, no one who believes in me will be put to shame. There's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same, talking about the nations again, the same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. He says, it's for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, immediately after this, Paul brings up all the nations, right? He says, all the nations, the Jew and Gentiles, right? Which makes sense because Jesus' followers are told to go to all the nations. And Paul's mission is to bring about the obedience of the Gentiles. So right as he says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you'll be saved, right? Just believe you'll be saved. He brings up the Jews and the Gentiles. Everyone can be saved. You know, all these different tribes and tongues. Then in 14, he says, how are they to call on one in whom they've not believed? Paul asks, how is this going to happen? He says, how are they to believe in one of whom they've never heard? How are they to hear without someone to proclaim them? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? And he quotes this Old Testament scripture. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Huh. you see how his people have to be obedient for the nations to be blessed? They must be obedient to go and proclaim the good news with words. The nations don't hear and they can't confess Jesus unless people are sent. Unless people are sent to them unless those people proclaim so that they can hear and that they can obey. Someone needs to be obedient to help other people hear. Jesus says the same thing at the ends of Matthew. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them. You're going to have to teach with words, telling people about Jesus and the good news about what he has done. This is why we talked a few weeks back about knowing the big story and being able to share the story of, of Jesus. We have to proclaim with our words who Jesus is, that he's king, that he's Lord, that he's this loving savior, that he's gracious, merciful, and just, that he's this wonderful Jesus. People need to hear about him with our words. How will they believe? How will they obey if we don't with words tell people about Jesus? So people, the followers of Jesus, obedient followers of Jesus, bless the nations by actually telling people, teaching people, explaining Jesus to people. So we proclaim with our words. Obedient, sent followers of Jesus proclaim with their words and they proclaim with their deeds. Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom with words and with many signs and wonders. He proclaimed the kingdom by bringing serving acts of healing to the people. That showed the words that they, that showed even that he wasn't just someone who spoke, but he, in his In his life, in his life among people, he actually had physical healing power. Jesus in Luke 4 proclaims with words the good news and that the good news is sight for the blind, freedom for the captives, real help for the hurting. James, Jesus' half-brother, says if a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So by faith itself, if it has no works, is dead. James is saying this proclaiming Jesus includes caring for people. Matthew 25, which I just mentioned, Jesus judges the nations on how the least of these are treated. and says, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. Jesus says, become a servant of all. Love your enemies, be peacemakers, give yourself for others, Clothe the naked, visit the prisoner, feed the hungry. It's in those ways that he was a blessing to the nations. We bless the nations with our words and with our deeds. Church, we can be a blessing. We can be a blessing. We can be a blessing. Our whole existence comes from the blessing of God, first in creation, and then through the overwhelming love of Jesus Christ. Because of that, we can be a blessing. You are actually blessed by God to be a blessing. Can you believe that? Can you believe that today? Can you believe that you're a children of God who can go forth and be a blessing? I hope you can. If you, if you don't know how much God loves you, I first you hope you get that, that he died and to save you, to change you, to transform you, to be blessed and be a blessing. I want, I want to close with a brief, brief story. At the beginning of the message, I mentioned this army general named Naaman who had a, a servant girl in his house because he and his men had kidnapped her from Israel. Uh, She was caught up as an innocent victim of the rage of the nations, right? Armies going to war, stealing the innocent, and she's just caught up in all that. The story begins by explaining that Naaman, this great, mighty army general, has a terrible disease called leprosy. And then this servant girl from Israel, she has one line in this whole story. One line. It speaks volumes. She says this. She says, Oh, if only my master would meet the prophet of Samaria. He would be healed of his skin disease. And that's in 2 Kings 5:3. She says, hey. And I think she's telling uh, uh, the, the wife of the house, she says, Hey, there's someone special in the land of Israel who can heal, uh, who can heal Naaman? That's her only line, but she's being a blessing to the nations. I think she shows everything we have talked about as a follower of God who blesses the nation. I'm gonna walk through this and so we can see. What's her identity? In that moment, when she hears about something bad happening to someone who's her enemy, right? She doesn't say, oh, I'm in Aram now. She doesn't say, I better become Aramean as quickly as possible, right? She she could do that to fit in, right? No, she talks about the prophet of Yahweh. She talks about Israel, right? This is the the, the country that that the Aramites are beating. Naaman's this racist. He doesn't like the people of Israel. He thinks he's better than them. He's been beating up on the Israelites. But her identity is still as a child of the Lord. We see that. She's not afraid to proclaim him from her captured servant position. She still talks about her God. Hey, there's this prophet. It's the prophet of Yahweh. You should go to him. She chooses to bless the nations even when they are her enemy, just like, like God does. She could have decided not to be a blessing to her enemy and she would have every single right to do so, right? Like, like God, right? I'm not sure. And I, uh, I hope many of us can't imagine Uh, the hell it must have been to be a young female slave uh, in this land uh, next to Israel 3,000 years ago. Most likely she was ripped away from her family. Maybe a good chance her father or brothers or both were killed by men led by Naaman. Most likely she's sexually assaulted or uh, best case scenario is she's forced into some type of marriage or concubine relationship that she has absolutely no power in. She's been enslaved, abused, and she's taken from her family. She's without father or mother, even if they happen to still be alive. How do you not just hate and curse the nation that did this to you and your family and your people? You have to have your identity rooted in being a child of God. You have to be committed to being like God and loving your enemies. You have to be obedient to God uh, only to commit to being a blessing and, and uh, to the nations and word and deed in that moment. I don't know how else she does this. Uh, she must have known that she belonged to Yahweh and that Yahweh is her true father even in that circumstance and that she's part of God's nation even in that moment. She must have known something of the character of God and to have a willingness to bless the nations even in that circumstance. You see the faith and obedience of this woman to the ways of Yahweh God threatened to take away Abraham's son and Abe still obeyed. This woman has had everything taken from her and very little power, no power and very little prospect of things getting better. She had to leave. The leaving was done for her. She had no choice. But now she chooses in that moment to go and tell someone, proclaim the blessing possible for Naaman. Because of her words, Naaman finds healing, and salvation he meets the prophet Elijah Elijah tells him to bathe in the Jordan River the same place Jesus is baptized and uh, and Naaman finds healing he comes back to Elijah proclaiming that he will now only sacrifice to Yahweh Naaman proclaims that he has found salvation and healing and her words led to the action of healing by the prophet Elijah she does something remarkably easy and remarkably hard. It's easy, right? What does she do? She just told someone about uh, how to get help. You're living near some people. You see they're hurting, and you point them to a God who can heal and save. Whether they're good people, whether they're nice to you or not, that's, that's what she does. It's so simple, right? She says, hey, oh, I'd love to help. There's someone who can help you. It's also so hard. Um, you can be so hurt, and these people are your enemy, and they might reject you, and um, They've rejected the way of your nation. Um, it would be easier for you to buy in and maybe make your life better in that culture or society if you said nothing. Um, speaking up might hurt you even more. So it's, it's easy on one hand. Tell people kindly, serve people, help people, but incredibly hard. Uh, we're afraid of hurt. We're afraid of rejection. Things go bad in our world and we don't feel like going out and being a blessing. What would we do that? What would we do if we were in that situation? What will we do in our situations, where God has us right now in the place we're in, in all of our circumstances, in the really bad circumstances, amidst the raging of the world, can we say, "I'm a child of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. It's not about my nation versus another nation. It's not about me versus my enemy." But I'm a child of God, and it's as that child of God I'm sent. Saved by His grace, secure in that. And out of that, I'm free to go. Free to go even to my enemies. Out of that, I'm free to to believe and obey and and walk in His ways. And I'm free to go and proclaim the good news. And free to go and serve others. When we find that freedom and we go and do that, we are a blessing to others and we can be a people that bless the nations. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for all the blessings we have in you. Um, salvation, inheritance, uh, teachings about how to follow you and live, live your ways. Lord, it can be really, really hard to be a blessing. It can be so easy to get caught up in what's going on in our world and be a part of that. Um, or when we we feel like we're so committed to you, it can be really hard to love and bless others um, because we're upset with how we might be treated or afraid. But Lord, help us uh, go deeper. Um, Help us have a transformed identity in you. Um, Help us use our words to go and bless others. Help us go and serve others so that we might be a blessing to the nations. Help us fight against the evil in this world with love. Help us not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The good of proclaiming your good news, the good of serving others in word and deed. In your name we pray. Amen.